We'll get away with everything Let's show them we are better Let's show them we are better That intro music you just heard, an absolute banger from the Chainsmokers, Paris. Uh, shout out Phil Mickelson's thumb for the recommendation. That was the only way to start the podcast with Liv Bedminster on the docket for this weekend. And we will be talking a little bit of Liv, a lot of Rocket Mortgage, and a whole bunch of other stuff with my good friend John Hasselbauer in a minute. But first, we are presented as always by RickRingets.com, all the stats tools and info that I'll be referencing on the podcast can be found over at rickrungood.com. My course breakdown for Detroit Golf Club is already up. My DraftKings article will be posted on Wednesday. I got to say, I have not loved a DraftKings slate as much as I love this one in quite some time. So be sure to sign up today using promo code Andy for all of those articles and any questions you have for me, the best place to reach me is in that Rick Run Good Slack channel. And we'd love to have you as part of the team. All right. That is all I got at the top. Let's bring in John. All right. John Hasselbauer is here. You probably know him as PGA Tout on Twitter. He writes for the lines, a bunch of different articles. His most famous one, probably the Sunday preview, but You've been doing you're you you're all over the place these days, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's a vibe today, as we were saying. <laughs> um, I still don't know what the intro was, but I am excited to hear it in playback. Uh, it's an extra special week, an action-packed week of golf in many respects um, this upcoming weekend. So I put out on Twitter in honor of Liv Betty. We're going to rock with some chain smokers intro music. I got a couple great recommendations. I was listening to the chain smokers all late morning in the gym, just toiling over it, trying to figure out the perfect chain smokers needle drop just to get us into this conversation. I ended up going with Paris, which I think is a crowd pleaser. I think it was a pretty safe choice. My friend, our friend Rappaport, golf, the golf digest Rappaport, he threw out a good, a really good chain smokers remix recommendation. I didn't want to get my editor too confused with like the getting the wrong remix. So I just went with like a a classic staple of the chain smokers library in, in Paris. I think uh if we go down, we go down together is actually <laughs> a pretty good slogan for Liv. <laughs> actually, it might be the best. Um, because we don't know, they might be all screwed together. Um, and I thought that Henny Duplass, however you pronounce that, is French, and he was going to be my pick when we get to Betty, but he's actually South African, so that that part doesn't check out. But Paris, great choice. I saw Chase Bookers once at the Excess in Vegas, Syracuse, guys, like right? Couple Syracuse guys, roommate out in Boulder, actually had to get rewritten it was it was originally roommate up in boland which is a a dorm room at syracuse and it wasn't mass appealing enough classic chain smokers um (laughs) (laughs) editing it for for the the larger crowd's enjoyment so that's you know i'm happy to be on a chain smoker spot i think long story short i was so like bummed about live at the beginning because i didn't really like comprehend that people People weren't getting the fact that this is 
destroying professional golf, the thing that we love the most. And I've kind of channeled my depression into humor. I'm kind of just masking it with humor. So, you know, this bit that I have, like I tweeted at Liv, I was like, all right, fine. If you guys get the chain smokers, I'm fucking in. And then they actually got the chain smokers. And I was like, all right, there's no backing down now. If we weren't on a golf trip, I would actually say we go. It's literally a 20-minute drive from where I am right now. Right. Yeah. Have you, have you ever it. played there? I have not. My my buddy actually interviewed to be the superintendent there. Mm. Um, and he was telling me about it. Um, but I've never been over there. Yeah, me neither. If they um, had the PGA, I I would have been, but yeah, you know, I think politics. it's I think it's a FOS. I think it's a FOS. Is it okay? Yeah, you know, definitely a tough test that they're in store for over there. It'll be a grind for everybody, but you know, we'll be shot tracking it. I'm sure they have a, a great app um, installed. <laughs> I haven't looked into it yet, but I'm sure Liv has has left no stone unturned for us to fall on the golf course. Yeah. Um, all right, well, we'll circle back to some Liv stuff at the end. Any uh. Anything you want to recap with the 3M before we dive into the Rocket Mortgage? You know, heart goes out to Scott Piercy. Couldn't happen to a better guy. I think <laughs> there will be an insurrection in Ponte Vedra um, this January. So I don't think we can officially give the win to Tony Finau yet. For now, uh, Finau is the winner. And uh, obviously, um, I'm coming in pretty hot. Uh, I had Tony Fino number one in my model last week. So um, <laughs> I think we're cooking with gas. <laughs> Kershaw's going to be mad at us. He's telling me I'm being too mean on Twitter. You're, you're bad influence on me, man. Yeah, no, I was, I was, I was all over. I was all over Fino too, man. He rated out super, super well for me. Um, anyway. <laughs> God. This is an awful start. Um, some of the, you know, what I've learned recently too, John, is a lot of the time I talk on my podcast and on Twitter, like this very uh, niche joke from a group chat that I'm in, everybody is just going to understand it. And so actually, I'll give you a good example about this. The Goddard up thing, which we'll circle back to a little bit. You know, the Goddard up thing is it kind of, it's, been this whole bit with us. It was more so in the between me, CP, and Kirshner, but it, you guys know it's this whole bit. And I got this like super nasty DM. Pro honestly, seriously, probably the I've had some mean things said to me, probably the nastiest DM that I've ever received from this guy about Chris Goderup. And I looked into him, like I looked at who what he was tweeting about and who he was following. And I Googled him and he's like, it's like Goderup's friend. He's like, oh. I'm, he like went to Rutgers with Goderup. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is gone. With, this is not how I intended this to go down. This is a joke between my friends. I have no disrespect towards Chris Goderup. I don't know how you found me, um, but uh, I apologize. And he was still quite rude, but. Oh, <laughs> I feel like you spun it enough where if you were out on the joke, you would come off as like a very big Goddard up Stan. Right. Uh, he was in the thumbnail of the articles. Right. A lot of the hashtag team rub. <laughs> so I don't know. I feel like if you're outside on the joke, you actually think that you're you're leading the bandwagon for for hashtag rub. 
Right. Not this guy. No, he saw right through me. He saw right through that despite never talking to me. He saw right through the sarcasm. Um, but anyway, I like, and we'll get into him a little bit later. So yeah, 3M, I didn't have a great week. Did you have a great week? It was a bad betting card for me. I got to be honest. Got to own it when it's a bad one. That was one of my worst betting cards in recent memory. I'm not <laughs> sure I had a guy finish top 20. Maybe smother my <laughs> I actually, well, Doug Gim was my only runner for outright. I think he was either tied or one back of Finau coming in. And I went into Sunday and I was like, if it's very feasible that Piercy shoots like two over today. And then I just need like a five or six under from Gim, Um, which was, I mean, he shot that on Saturday. So it was in the cards and he shot, I think, the worst round of anybody on Sunday, including a double on um, 18, which that cost me money in DraftKings. That took him from like eighth to a chop of a top 20, which I also had on him. Right. Um, so I, I was in very good position to have three of my four top 20 bets cash and all of them did something stupid on 18. So I had two chops. Um, so I, I ended up being like slightly positive, which is great because that looked like a lost week from from the get go. So I'm happy to parlay a couple extra dollars into this tournament. And you've got some, you were on Davis, right? Last year? No? Am I remembering that incorrectly? I was. It was such a weird card. I bet Bryson at uh, plus 750. <laughs> and then I had uh, two bombs just to trickle in. And it was uh, Troy Merritt and Cam Davis, both at like 150 to one. Both were in the playoff with oh Neiman. Neiman played himself out of the playoff. That is an iconic card. You almost have to bet. <laughs> you almost have to bet Bryson at Betty now. Yeah, I mean, he was up there in the model too, but not as high as DJ. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a good week. It was a really frustrating DFS week because it was my best five of six lineup I've ever had with those guys and Kokrak who led led the field in T to green last year. We had like his right. worst putting performance of his life. So I, I really had it surrounded last year in DFS. I had a, a, a solid week even without a very chalk uh, Bryson miscut. Um, so you've had some success here, obviously. Do you, what kind of stood out to you last year with the course? What are you kind of looking at this year before we dive into the odds? Yeah, I think one extra year actually does a lot to make things feel a little bit more statistically significant. Last year going into, we only had two years and it was right. Lashley and Bryson, and it's hard to really pull anything out of that. Right. Um, it's still kind of all over the place, but it looks like obviously a slight lean towards bombers with what we've seen, but uh, quality putters here more than I think anywhere else here. And maybe Sedgefield next week, mm. both Donald Ross were good putting form is actually like not random. And you see all the best putters in the field tend to kind of play their way up as long as they're in decent ball, ball striking form. So I'm kind of looking at that like as opposed to 3M where anybody can get hot. Look at Scott Piercy, for example, um, right. who gained like 10 strokes putting. That's not going to happen here. It hasn't happened here in the last three years where like a Keegan Bradley just catches lightning in a bottle. It's always the good putters who are popping putting. So I think you would probably agree that like that's a design philosophy of, of Donald Ross. It's not yeah. really a huge coincidence. So I'm looking for that. I want good putters. It looks like a putting contest. There's not a lot you can do to separate yourself T to green. So it's not to say if you're a good putter, you're guaranteed to put well here. 
but I do kind of lean that way uh, here, which is a pretty big contrast from 3M where it did feel like a free-for-all in the grades. Right. That's very well said. I have nothing to add, John. Um, <laughs> uh, 30 to right, 1. Pod's over. <laughs> See you guys next time. And intro music, Chainsmokers. To the Chainsmokers. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, so 30 to 1 and under. Uh, I'm using DraftKings. I know we all shop around a little bit, but Patrick Cantlay, 8 to 1. Will Zeltoris, 12 to 1. Tony Finau, 14 to 1. Homa, 14 to 1. I think you could find a lot better on him. Cameron Young, 18. Mav McNeely, 25. Adam Scott, 28. Those are the guys below 30 on DraftKings. Any of those guys have your attention? Yeah, I think it's between Homa and Cameron Young for me as okay. like potential bets. And then DFS is probably just going to be the lowest owned of the top five. Right. Um, Kaylee's like Altors, Homa, Fino, and Young. I think it's a significant drop off after those five. Um, and it looks like you're getting drift on Young and Homa. So if I were to bet really? one of them. Are do you are you seeing that? That's that's interesting to me. I feel like those guys are. I feel like a very both are going to be very popular bets this week. I um as in like those are the only two guys who have touched twenty to one. Okay, okay. I, Everybody I else is saying. like locked into the teens. Those guys are twenty to twenty five. So I'm not going to go right. shorter than twenty in this. Where I mean, it does look like a punting contest. I kind of said that last week at the three M and Tony wins it as as the odds on favorite, but it was looking like it was Piercy's to run away with all along. So um, I do want exposure to a longer card this week from a betting perspective, but it is pretty appealing if some of these top guys do drift a little bit. Who do you think garners more ownership in DraftKings, Cameron Young or Homa? Hmm. I think Young because he's hot, but he's not like very hot. Like Homa missed a cut at the open was okay at the Scottish was not great the week before that. I think. Yeah. Both of these guys are very, again, I'm, this is a new Andy, John, as you know, I'm done calling fan bases Colts. That also gets people angry, but these are both very likable golfers that I think have, we'll say a betting bandwagon. Is that a fair term? Yeah. Well, you grew up down the street from Cameron Young. I did. Right. I did grow up down the street as Cameron. Us residents of the state of New York, you know, it's all the same thing to us. Our fellow yeah. Rochesterians are going to be cheering him on next year at Oak Hill. Yeah. I mean, I grew up on Long Island, but we share basically the same, it's basically, the same terroir over it's, here. It's basically the same thing. You know, him on the mean streets of Sleepy Hollow, me on the mean streets of Tribeca, you know, it's really, it's, it's really all the same thing. Exactly. So he's got a big contingent. Well, he's got all of New York and home has got all of California, actually. So uh, maybe the answer is that it's split. Right. <laughs> it's exactly the same ownership. I think they're going to be both um, fairly popular. Now, what's interesting to me is um, you could make a case that like Cantlay is as a player kind of in a tier above both of these guys still, especially on like you know, bent grass birdie fest, like in terms of course fit, isn't this like the perfect Patrick Cantlay course? Like how different is this course going to play from like Caves Valley? You know what I mean? So I'm curious to see if Cantlay is, I could e easily see this be like a 30% week for Cantlay or a lot of people just, 
you know, him going kind of a little bit under-owned and under-talked about because the betting number is so short, so nobody's going to bet Cantlay. And a lot of people are going to bet Homa and Young. So a lot of people just play who they play in DraftKings. So that's interesting to me. And Zalatoris, too. I think Zalatoris is an interesting spot because my question for you is, I think the perception of Zalatoris is that he can't get to 20 under par. Maybe it's just our friend Brian that thinks that. But I think that's a common perception. Um, But Cam Young can because he just shot 19 under at St. Andrews, which is interesting because if you look at Cam Young's statistical profile and all the other courses that he's played well, like they're the same courses as Zalatoris. They have a very similar skill set. In my opinion, both of them are better suited for courses that separate from tee to green and emphasize long iron play. But I think because they just watched Cam Young go nuclear at St. Andrews, they feel a lot more comfortable clicking his name in a birdie fest than Zalatoris, which is not, I'm not saying that's unfair. I just think it's interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm not really in that group of don't play Zal and birdie fest. I, I bet him at the Amex and I think he finished top five there. He did. Uh, um, he, he played fine there. I, I think you don't expect him to hit a lot of putts, but he's arguably, or if not statistically the best iron player in this field. And if you're a good iron player, you can stick it close and generate oppor- birdie opportunities anywhere. Um, so I would actually favor him over a, a Cantley who's not exactly like a, a marksman with his irons. He's like above average. He'll give himself a bunch of 20 foot looks and hit more putts maybe. But I kind of like Zalatoris in, in easy scoring conditions just as much as I do in majors. The problem is he's never putted well in anything that's not a major. Right. So like, I don't understand that. <laughs> that's right. what the stats are. And there's like a long history of that statistic that he's the worst outside of majors makes no sense. But uh, I don't, does he, has he played this tournament before? Yeah, he didn't play well. He made the cut and did not play well. I think he, I think he finished like 60th or something like that. Yeah. I, okay. And he lost three strokes putting. So I'm kind of, I think I'm leaning towards out on Zalatoris. Wouldn't surprise me if he had a great week, but um, yeah, I, I don't see myself going there compared to the other guys at the top. Right. I prefer Cam Young to Zalatoris too, just at a macro level from what it's for what it's worth. But if Cam Young's 20% and Zalatoris is 8% and just, you know, asking the question, um, Adam Scott was number one in my hashtag model, oddly enough. So I'm not going to bet him, but if he wins, I'm still going to celebrate. Um, I, I need to stop doing that. But oddly enough, yeah, Scott has this really strange, um, statistical profile these days where he can get really hot with the putter, makes a lot of birdies, still hits it a long way off the tee and is a really good wedge player. It's just, I don't, this is the first of like six wind horse references on the pod. So, so, so bear with me, but I was looking at my friend, uh, Patrick McDonald's tweet and it's like, it's, it's Adam Scott's schedule and it's like all the great tournaments and, the rock of mortgage. And it's like, now why is that? I, I, I don't really understand. I don't really know. You know, he's been rumored to live. Maybe there's this Australian team brewing and, you know, he wants to make a run at the FedEx cup, but he doesn't have a shot at the FedEx cup. Scotty Sheffler's got like a million more points at him. So I, I, he's never won in the model. I just, I have a tough time clicking on him here. Probably a good DraftKings play though at low ownership. Yeah, uh, maybe he's just uh, too um, embarrassed to go back to Sedgefield ever again. Like, right. <laughs> maybe he might just go to live 
and he needed a, a tune-up before the FedEx Cup, and he was he might as well play in it. So he needed one last tune-up. So he found himself in Detroit because he's just never gonna have to you know put those demons to right. to, to bed anymore after what what he did on eight. God bless him for that. But, I know. Um, I don't think he'll ever play that tournament again. Did um, am I crazy with what I'm seeing in my numbers, or was there some stuff popping for you with him too? Um, he was 17 in mine, so. That's like I, not great. I, it, yeah, I was price. surprised when when you uh, had him pop as much as yours did. I think I had a heavier weight on easy scoring conditions mm. and par five scoring, where he that's the Fair. only reason that he's falling down a little bit further. But um, he actually is pretty solid on the comps. Sedgefield is one of those. Right. Um, Birdie's a better. He's good in that as well. So I, it definitely makes sense. And he's good um, on POA. Yes, he is. Um, all right, let's move down a little bit now. Let's talk about this giant mid-tier range. Um, I've got some bets in here. I'd imagine you've got some bets in here. Of these uh, guys in the 30s and 40s and 50s, who who do you want to uh, mention first? Well, I think Kisner. I think a lot of people are going to bet Kisner. I'm right. thinking about it, but I haven't bet him yet. Great course history here. I think actually the best statistical course history of anybody mm-hmm. in this field with a couple of top 10s. Um, very good on Donald Ross, whether it be here or said field where he won last year or East Lake. He actually has a couple of good finishes, surprisingly. Um, and the ball striking, like we said, doesn't really matter that much. Um, and it's in a fine place right now. And the putter seems to be heating up. Um, so I think he'll be popular. It's a pretty short number. So I was hoping for a little longer. I don't think I was expecting it to be longer than this, but I haven't jumped on it yet. I know you're uh, the leader of the Kisner bandwagon, so I'm curious your thoughts on him. <laughs> you know, I, um, John, you keep like trying to get me to be mean, man. I've told you I'm turning over a new leaf. Um, I will say this about Kisner. I'm so happy with Kisner's price because I normally strongly dislike Kevin Kisner, and I very much liked him this week, probably for a lot of the same reasons that you do. But I feel like I don't have to worry about it because I think he is quite overpriced both in DraftKings and in the betting markets. I'm seeing like 35 to 1. I I would probably pounce at like a 45 to 1. But I, I think I feel pretty... Same with Denny McCarthy. Like I, I like both of those guys, but... Those are the guys that DraftKings decided to say, usually they do it with our boy, Russell Henley. But this week, Denny and Kisner are the guys that they decided to say, no, these guys are going to be in the 30s, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. I can't even find a 40 on Kisner. Um, McCarthy's as long as 42 on FanDuel. So that's okay. Um, He's at least strung together some good finishes lately. He's been playing great. Denny has been playing great. He's been like above average in off the tee and approach. And if he's going right. to do that, he's been completely unflappable uh, in putting and just short game in general. And he's very good on POA, um, which I didn't realize he was because I thought he was more of like a Bermuda guy. But I'm very interested in him. I love Danny McCarthy next week. And part of me is rooting mm. for a missed cut because if he misses the cut here, Watch it. Watch out for the conviction tweets if Denny McCarthy misses the cut at the Rocket Mortgage because it is set in stone that he's winning the Wyndham if that happens. Well, there's a lot going on there, right? Because there's a couple plot lines to follow with this one because there's the Kisnering potential where 
it, you tell this story. This is this. I you deserve to be the one telling this story. But talk about <laughs> talk about how we coined the term Kisnering. Yeah. So, uh, Wyndham Championship last year, um, I had the Kisner conviction play. He was fifty to one. I think he was down to like thirty five by the end of the week. So, well, he wasn't actually that big of a long shot. It seemed like he was at the time. Well, um, you you like basically willed all of. Twitter into betting him. So I would imagine that you're responsible for some of the market. It was a herd mentality for sure. <laughs> um, I don't know what my poll was a year ago versus today, but um, I was on vacation too. I was just like sitting on the beach and I had this epiphany that like, oh, Kevin Kisner's going to win. Um, right. So just, I just went you're it. not even, you should give it more just because I imagine there are a lot of people that started listening to the podcast this year and don't remember this on Twitter. I kid you not, I have never seen somebody more confident that a player was going to win a tournament. Like saying a golfer is going to win a tournament, it's like kind of like a lose-lose. Like if there's just like, it's not like, hey, I'm confident that Cowboys are going to win this football game, right? Like it's just, and John was so confident in Kisner. I mean, seriously, I've never seen anything like it and it happened. Yeah, um, it was it was a, a bunch of factors. I mean, his course history was incredible. His history, like his form on long courses was awful. And he had the worst approach performance of his career the week before at the right. St. Jude. And it was only because he kept hitting it into water on Sunday on a par three. And he like gave up on the hole. Like he got like a 12 on one hole. So he lost like seven strokes on approach that day. Um, and because of that, all of his stats were terrible and he had finished dead last in a no cut event. And a lot of people were kind of off of him and he hadn't won in like four or five years, but you know, Kevin Kisner is very outspoken about like, I only have a chance on a certain number of courses. And I love guys like that who are such like an extreme course fit where you can just completely ignore what they're doing on 75% of the courses, strictly look at comps and see what they're doing. And Every putting contest, short course event that he played in that year, he finished like top 20 and he had some of the best course history in the field that week. So it seemed like the stars were aligning, needed a lot of things to fall our way that week. Um, <laughs> but you and I, are, I think, are very spiritual betters. We're like, we just try to manifest things. Right. And if things are going well, we're quiet. And if things are not going our way, we're like kind of doing some juju, some hexing to make things change course. Russell Henley had the biggest collapse in PGA oh tour history. God. Yeah. Uh, the, the only one that rivaled it was him at the Sony <laughs> <laughs> at the time, yeah, at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Which we were on for both of them too. Cause you had Henley and Kisner, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, and then all of that happened and Kisner backdoors his way into, um, the playoff with six guys. And then Adam Scott has oh a four footer right. uphill straight with no break in it, where the guy before him had an eight footer directly behind him on the same line and it didn't move. <laughs> and he pulls it and he put it, he pushed it. It was a push. Yeah. Yeah. It was a it terrible was, stroke. I remember that. Yeah. It was impossible to miss. Especially right. with that putter that he has, because it's like designed to not do that. Right. <laughs> is my understanding of why people use that monstrosity is like, if you get the jitters, it's like jitter proof. Right. Um, and somehow it missed. And then kids are one of the next hole. So 
that was good. Anyway, that was a that was definitely a, a non rocket mortgage related tangent. But <laughs> I like Danny McCarthy. I the only reason I would not bet him is because I'm rooting for a down week this week so that I can buy low on him next week. Very fair. Um, you actually just reminded me to talk about this. I skipped over him because I bet him at a much bigger number than I was reading here. I bet Mav McNeely at fifty five to one. I skipped right over him because I'm seeing 25 on DraftKings, which I do not endorse. If you only have access to DraftKings, I do, I, I do not endorse him at 25 to one. But we've sent this one to the Kisnering uh, Kisnering committee, so I want to run this one by you. Matt McNeely minus 3.4 on approach last week. Well, now why is that? A lot of people in the league are talking about that. Um, he actually lost 3.6 on approach on the final hole. He dunked three balls into the water. So he was a really good ball striker for 71 holes, really good off the tee and a positive with his irons too. But you're seeing minus 3.4 on approach. Well, 3.6 of that came on one hole, the final hole. Kisner and committee. What do we say? What do we say there? That's, that is quintessential Kisner. That, <laughs> that passes the test. I, I mean, the, the result was not like Kisner's result looked a lot worse because it was a no cut event and he right. went all the way to the bottom. This T 47 doesn't even look that bad, but it, like you're saying, it probably should have been a T 22. Yeah. Right? Something like that. Yeah. 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 I like, I probably, I like, I like this entire range. If I could bet everybody. 35 to 50 to one, I would, but there's like so many people in there that I actually have to take some stances. Did you find that too? This is like the first tournament in a really long time where I was like, wow, I like all these guys. Like we're going to, we'll talk about some of them, but I had a really tough time narrow. Like I really like the flop lag on Davis Riley and Sahith. I bet Chris Kirk here every year. I kind of like Hadwin. Tringale, not as a bet, but I think he's an intriguing DraftKings option coming off the miscut. Like, how did you kind of narrow it down? I ended up going with Sahith. Well, I guess going up to 60, I have a couple guys at 55 and 60. I don't have anyone below 50, by the way, this week. So my first bet was Sahith. And I've actually said, been saying this, I think it was this group chat, but I've been saying that Sahith's going to win the Rocket Mortgage um, because. Sahith loves to be aggressive. I think you could be very aggressive at this course. You know, whether Sahith is playing Harbor Town or here, he's going to hit driver. That's just his strategy. And I think he's going to be able to get away with some of the wayward driving stuff here. He's long enough off the tee. He's a good putter. I trust him in easier scoring conditions. And last two weeks, people were betting the guy at 18 to 1 and 25 to 1. So now he's 50 to one because he lost two strokes putting and missed the cut on the number on a really weird golf course with a lot of number. Okay. I, I mean, sounds good to me, but he ended up like 23% last week and I think he's going to be single digits. So God, this is such a good DraftKings week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're describing like what he did at the Sanderson farms when he finished runner up. So he definitely can't, can do that. Um, and, and Sanderson right. farms is kind of like a Bermuda rocket mortgage. Kind yeah. of. That might be yeah. a I mean, bombers. I mean, yeah. I didn't I didn't necessarily have it as a comp just because it was like the very beginning of the season and right. like very. very Bermuda everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean it's a, it's a pretty good comp. And we're we've gotten used to seeing him the last few weeks in the 20s, and now he's the 50s because he had one miscut. So 
Um, like you said, there's a lot of guys who you could just buy low after one bad week on a course with water everywhere where you can play pretty well, find the water on a miss hit one or two holes. And all of a sudden you miss the cut. Um, that was definitely Davis Riley's round. He just caught the water like one too many times, but he was hitting it fairly well. had like a, a bad putting day. So he's definitely in a good buy low spot. Um, and it's tough too, because course history really has not mattered at all for, right. for like winners at least. So when you're trying to narrow down your, your player pool, you can't even be like, oh, well, this guy hasn't played well here before because what, how did that do for you with Cam Davis last year? Right. Two missed cuts. Right. Of this, um, well, I want to ask you about two guy, one guy specifically first, I'm going to give you a really hot take here, John. I don't know if you're ready for this one. So I think that next week at the Wyndham Championship is the most important golf week of Webb Simpson's career. <laughs> I <laughs> or, mean, that's the Super Bowl. I Okay, so I think that this is a massive inflection point for his career because he's been injured. He's come back from injury. He's shown some signs but I think people, myself included, I mean, this is coming from somebody that has played a lot of Webb Simpson this year, has really like tried to will him being back more so than he's actually like he's actually been pretty terrible this year. There's no way around it. And I'm just saying, listen, man, if he doesn't finish top 10 at the Wyndham next week, I think you could stick a fork in him. I, I'd go to live. Honestly, if he doesn't contend at Wyndham, I would be on the next jet to King Abdullah Economic City to join Paul Turn Westwood. He might be washed. So I think I I don't think I'm gonna bet him. If the ownership's low, I will maybe play him. But I'm gonna be monitoring Webb Simpson very closely next week because I think his career is on the line. <laughs> I'm at the point where like I feel like Paul Tesori is sick of, of Webb Simpson. <laughs> like he's like he's like I'm the best. I'm like one of the best caddies ever. Use me here. Like I can't right. even, pl I can't even hang around on the weekends. Right. <laughs> and he's like about to get poached for like media jobs too. So that'd be an interesting decision for him. If, if Webb goes to live, mm. he wants to get that live caddy money or, or do his own or, thing in the media. Right. Um, but I'm with you. I mean, it's another good, good fit. I think he has a good result here as well. And he fits that profile. Um, I, my thing is like the ceiling hasn't really been there. Like when was the last time you right. really contended? Uh, Had to be I'm, last RSM I'm gonna, maybe? I'm going to say off the top of my head, last year's Wyndham, <laughs> which I actually think he was underwhelming at, if I remember correctly. And when I say underwhelming, he probably finished like ninth, but. Yeah. I mean, his resume at the Wyndham, he could come in with like eight missed cuts and he'll, he'll still have ownership. So right. Um, there's no stopping people from playing web at Wyndham, but, um, uh, it is concerning for sure. Um, I'm probably not going to play him, but, um, like you said, the, the ownership is probably going to come down a little bit. So if it does, he's an interesting DFS guy. So who, who else for you in this, in this range? I know you got a couple more guys. I want to, I'm tossing the baton to you. Um, I think we could talk about Henley. Um, yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so like I, I'm ready to get hurt again. I, I made a, a policy to only play Henley on Bermuda, mm. which 
I think made sense. Like for the most part, I mean, he doesn't really kill you anywhere anymore if you don't play him. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> there's, I don't know if that was like a good take or not, but this is a good fit for him. I was, it's so important. The wedges from under 150, it's so highly concentrated there. There's, what is it? Four par fours under 400 yards. Not right. all of the par fives are reachable. So you're going to have a couple like flip wedges to get up and down for birdie. A couple really long par fours where, you know, who knows what happens there. You might need some wedges to go up and down. Um, he's not only is he number one and maybe you can shed some, I don't know if you even, do you understand how like they determine proximity? If you, yeah. If you leave the ranks and you go to like total proximity, his total proximity from under 150 is six points. And mm -hmm. the second place guy is 30 points. Mm -hmm. um, so he, all I know is that he is like three to four times better with his wedges on total proximity than the second place guy, which is like one of the most significant disparities I've seen in any modeling. I don't totally understand how they're quantifying what like total proximity actually like adds to, mm -hmm. but I know relatively speaking, he is in his own class of wedge plate, despite the bad results. He's still been hitting his wedge as well. Um, I, what they do is they do proximity by feet from the hole. So what I think they do is I think they take an aggregate, the amount of feet that your average approach shot is, and you, average it all together and I guess you get a numeric value for it. And then that's how they calculate it long term, which is semi tricky. That's why I only like looking at proximity long term because I think it's yeah. really wonky short term. And I also pretty sure that you don't have to be on the green. There's been some speculation about <laughs> that. Um I have a stats guy coming on in the upcoming weeks. Maybe I'll ask him about that. But um, I never value it in like the 25 yard increments, but for this, right. where it's like anything under 150, I believe, and it makes sense when you look at the guys who are up there, they, they're definitely good yeah. wedge players. So, um, I think with him, he's played basically only majors for the last three, four months, majors mm -hmm. and big events and they're longer courses and they put more emphasis on long irons and he's fine there too, but um, where he shines is the, is the short wedges. And we've seen that on all of the courses that he had success, Sedgefield included, that if it's just a wedge fest, he's going to do pretty well. Yep. We're both on the rust bus, Lake Placid carpool brand that um, he's, this guy is, I mean, I've bet Russell Henley at 30 to one who hasn't bet Russell Henley at 30 to one. Um, I think 65 is an excellent number. I really do. I think he's better than a lot of these guys. It's just a good range. Um, who else? You're a Hubbard guy this week, right? Let's do spotlight. Yep. Hubbard. I got Hubbard at 60. I think that's, that's still the best number available. That's on FanDuel. Um, I mean, sometimes the, the guys who are trending actually work out and he's got top fives and back-to-back -back starts. There was speculation. Why did he withdraw from the 3M last week coming off a of back-to-back top fives. It, I don't know. It's speculation, but he had played four straight weeks going into that. I think if he really looked at the numbers and he was like, I don't want to play six straight weeks. Am I going to play the 3M or the Rocket Mortgage? This is a much better fit for him. 3M, you're going to get away, I think, with being a little bit longer and more strength off the tee, where if you're not great off the tee, you can get exposed there. 
Um, and putting strength is very important here. He's had a good result at the 3M uh, at the Rocket Mortgage as well, and he's putted well on these greens. Great putter, great irons, great short irons, and he's playing well in birdie fest. So all the statistical things that you want to look for in this course, and 60 to 1 is not a gross number to me. I thought no. I was going to have to bet him at 40. There are there are 40s out there, but um, and I wouldn't, but anything over 50, I think, is is worth considering. I had to make a judgment call between him and Stallings, who was the other guy for me that just checked every box. And I trusted Stallings just a little bit more to win the tournament. I think Hubbard's going to play well this week. Um, I think Stallings is obviously going to play well this week too. Did you did the Stallings thing happen for you too? He was like really high for me. I mean, he was checking, I mean, 7.7 ball striking at the John Deere, eighth at the Travelers, third... TBC Craig Ranch, third Barbasol, John Deere, Amex, like makes a cut here every year. Were you, what he, is he going to be? I thought he was going to be mega chalk in DraftKings. And I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't heard a, a ton about him, but I would imagine that if you're running a model, he's got to be up there. Yeah. He was high in mine as well. Um, and he has a little bit more like proven results in like actual tournaments where like Hubbard is like dominating these. Um, opposite field events. Um, right. And this is definitely like a step up. They're like, there's good names in this field. This is like, it doesn't have the pedigree of a good tournament or the the history of having big fields. Um, but there's a lot of names in here. So like, you, you're going to have to hold your own. You're not beating a bunch of Corn Ferry Tour players to, to win this event. So Stallings has better results in stronger fields. I think he will be popular. I'm not sure he'll be like mega chalk um, because I think he's priced up to a pretty fair number. Um, and even, uh, even Hubbard is priced up. I think he's 8k. Is that right? Mm, Yeah. Hubbard's 8k Stallings is 7.7. Okay. So I think Stallings will have more ownership than, than Hubbard. Cause I think they're pretty similar and $300 savings actually is enough that I think people will pivot there. Troy Merritt's going to be popular too, right? Like you have to imagine that he, I think he's, I don't know what merit is in DraftKings too, but he was the only other guy that I was like, oh, this is, this is making a whole lot of sense to me. I just, yeah, he's 76. Yeah. Okay. So merit, another potential Kisnering candidate, mm. um, led the field in strokes gain off the tee last week. At that the was Open. so strange to me. That's like impossible to wrap your head around how he's even <laughs> capable of doing that. Because <laughs> no. I don't think he was gaining any distance to the field at all. So he no. just hit, hit the center of every fairway. Um, and he had one of his worst putting weeks ever. So that you hope just turns around. It's different types of green. We got Poet floating around this week. So maybe that's a good omen. He was in the playoff year last year. He hit a hole in one here last year. So a whole lot of good vibes in Detroit. I think this is the change of pace that he needs. Is he going to go back to back and contend two years in a row? I don't know, but it's a pretty long number and it's a short price. So I I will most likely end up with him on my betting card. Um, okay, a couple more guys I want to touch on quickly before we get into some some bombs. Um, we're both on Pendrith. I want to give a shout out to my winged foot comp. Kershaw, um, <laughs> we're joking about. Is winged foot a million times harder than Detroit Golf Club? Yes. But if you actually watch how Bryson played winged foot, and then you watch how Bryson played Detroit Golf Club. 
he did the exact same thing, which the reason for that is because both of those courses have back to front sloping greens. So it's easier to stop wedges on those greens out of the rough that have less spin. And Pendrith hits it almost as far as Bryson. And who was top five in strokes gain off the tee at Wingfoot, John? Now, why is that? A lot of people in the league are talking about it. (laughs) It's my last one. That's my last one, I promise. But yeah, man, I just, I think that he fits this mold really, really well. And if he was able to do that off the tee at Wingfoot, um, I think that he is probably going to enjoy this golf course. Yeah. I mean, Bryson Wolf won two at both. I think that's worth something. There we um, go. I, I see it. Uh, and the greens are both like pretty big and he's a good long-term putter. He had like a, a slump in the middle of this season, but looks like he was gaining post-injury. Uh, I was concerned he might have lost some distance post-injury and he has not. Um, no. He was like way above the, he actually, I think he gained some distance um, just looking at what he did at the Barracuda. So um, you just wanted to see a couple signs. I was waiting and seeing that he wasn't like shaking off some, some rust after the injury, but um, it seems like he, he actually had an elongated recovery because of COVID. So he actually wasn't like as significantly injured as it might've seemed. Um, and now it's a good course fit. I have a card that's probably all like putting specialists. So I did want to have like at least one bomber in case it does get bomb and gouge. So there we go. Taylor Pendrith. Um, anyone else you want to mention uh, in this like 40 to 100 range before we talk about a couple of long shots? I think Cooch is the only other name. It's just like gross, but yeah, put, putting contest, he consistently gains everywhere now. So it's like not even random that he's popping. Um, and if it just plays out to be that everybody hits these greens in regulation and these fairways in regulation, then he's kind of a guy that I want to have exposure to. It's kind of like a Kevin Na thing. Like if, if Kevin Na is a hundred to one in a putting contest, like I'm going to take my chances. Yeah. I want to give a quick shout out to Alex Smalley. I was damn close on Alex. I played golf on Saturday, uh, with a fellow Duke golf quitter. Um, he last, he lasted a lot longer than I did, which makes sense because he's better than me, but he actually overlapped with Smalley and we were talking about him. Um, we both quit to join a frat. Smalley was like the opposite mindset of us. He was either on the range or in the library and he has a lot of talent. Yes. But like this guy is going to have a long career on the PGA tour. I don't know. He's probably not going to win majors, but he's going to win multiple events and have a long career. And I, he's coming off a really good finish at the Scottish too, where he gained almost nine strokes ball striking. So I hope the DraftKings ownership doesn't get too crazy. He's another Wyndham guy for you next week, where if he missed the cut this week, I actually wouldn't be too bumped because I like him a lot for next week too. The member of Sedgefield Country Club. Right, right. I actually think... That's so interesting to me because my friend Twitterless Steve, I think, told me that Smalley was born in Rochester. So just like Cam huh? Young, I mean, the Rochester <laughs> fans are literally going to be in a pickle. Do we follow Smalley? Do we follow Cam Young? I heard this guy's from Pittsburgh. That's the same distance. But um, interesting. Yeah, I, there was something he, well, Wyndham's kind of close to Duke. So, and I, I think his dad was like a professor at Duke. So maybe I think he was born in Rochester moved to Duke and maybe they have a membership at Sedgefield. It's not like that close to Duke, but I guess 
I think it's yeah. He got some airtime last year. He was a rookie and he got like an exemption because he was like a member there. Um, that was the first time I'd heard of him, and he and he played kind of well in his like debut. Other thing with Smalley, real quick, he's like automatic outside the country. He top twenties <laughs> everywhere. That's not the continental U.S. <laughs> Genesis, Canadian Open, Mexican Open, Corrales, all top twenties. Oh my god, doesn't gosh. make sense. That's a good point. Yeah, remember that for. It's, it's weird too because like a lot of those are like past pollen slow greens and the duke golf course is like these super fast um bermuda greens anyway yeah live jetta (laughs) (laughs) you look out um okay let's talk about these guys in the 100 range you want to just go back and forth how many guys do you want to shout out here um surprisingly i don't have many why don't you start okay um i have a couple I bet Vegas at 100 to 1. Uh, this got bet down to 80, I'm seeing on DraftKings. I still like it, but it's the mold, right? Like he absolutely bombs it off the tee. And look at the places that he's been best at. Wins the Canadian Open at 21 under on bent grass. Wins the Amex at 24 under. Second at the 3M Open. Third at the John Deere. Fourth at the Barbersall. Fourth at the Sanderson Farms. Like you want to play him on driver heavy courses where there is little penalty for wayward driving. Um, and in easy scoring conditions. And I think he is a phenomenal bet this week and a phenomenal DraftKings play. Johnny Vegas. Nice. Yeah. He eats these these courses up, these like easy bomber courses. Um, Kitayama, I think, is a misprice. Mm. I don't know if I'll bet him myself, but you talk about a place where you could just swing freely, bomb and gouge it. He's had great results um, very recently. Scottish Open, he could have very easily won. He had some really gutty uh clutch approach shots under pressure there so i was impressed by that he's an international winner um just in really good form ball striking in general not a very good putter and pretty awful on poa historically so that would go against what i'm looking for but he's 100 to 1 he's one of the better ball strikers in this field in good form so i think he's he's a decent consideration so i have a question for you because i know that you bet goder up last week hashtag team rup if you bet him last week at 50 to one and he finishes T31, but he gains over a stroke off the tee, over five on approach, hit the shit out of the ball, just lost two strokes putting. Now he's double the number. And I actually think this is a better course fit for him. Just tracking Goddard up because I had to sweat Goddard up playing well last week because I, I never, <laughs> never give up the bet. And I was just too deep in the bet. So I actually watched Goddard up closer than I watched any other golfer last week. Like when Goddard up misses, he misses big. And he had a couple of water balls just on Thursday alone. He had three. And I think there is a far, I think there's far less penalty on this course for wayward driving. So my take with Goddard up is either last week is, was a bad number or this week is a bad number because I, I don't know how you walk away from last week feeling worse about his chances, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think for me, I consider him like a, a team no putt guy, even though the he's actually popped a little bit more, but just like yeah. I test watching too, him. That's fair. I think it's too early to tell would be my pushback. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I know you're team rough, so you're going to be a little <laughs> bit biased to, to defend the guy, but um, I, and I, I'm i like victim to eye test. Like if I see a guy take a shaky putt, I was watching him in the NCAA regional finals, which was actually a really awesome finish that had like a four-man uh, playoff. Yeah. 
And he had like, he had to two putt from 25 feet to get into the, the playoff and he couldn't do it. So again, I like, I just watched 30 seconds of that and I'm like, well, he can't putt, but in general, yeah, I think this is a bomber course from the ball striking perspective. He should gain. And then it's just a matter of Kenny and putts. I'm not actually on team rep this way. Um, okay. <laughs> I mean, if you want, like, if there's, yeah, I was going to say, if you listen, man, all I got to say is every single time I bomb a drive in Lake Placid this weekend, I'm following it up with team Rob. So if you want to hop on the bandwagon, you, I, we would love to have you. We'd love to I, have you. I know you would. I know you have all of, um, all of Rutgers university in your corner, which, <laughs> which by the way, good narrative because the, the superhero is, is, is Rutgers grad. So he's probably going to design the course in, in Goderup's favor, which we do need to take into consideration when we're building our cards out. This week. I, I saw you made that joke and I was jealous of it. And I almost, the next joke that I made was that he was a, he was formerly the superintendent at rich harvest farms. So, which is one of the next live courses. So I almost just throw out my live eyeballs again. You never know. No one's okay. safe. That is, that's a really good connection. Cause I did not connect those dots, but okay. So this is the last we get to see Rob already. Shoot. <laughs> he's, done. he's done. He's talking to, he's talking to the groundskeeper. He's getting his rich farm, rich harvest farms connections together. Yeah. I think with Goddard up, I see the talent. It was never that I didn't see the talent. I think that everyone really wants to call it with these guys, right? So I tend to I tend to wait after that first week and play them like right after, right? Like I want to see I want to there's always that first really really popular week and then they always cool down. And I don't I mean, do you think that I still think he'll be popular this week, right? I mean, it's not like he let anyone down with a T31. Yeah. Uh, what is he? Mid, mid seven Ks? He's 7.4. He's not going to be close to as popular as he was last week, both betting, but I still think that in DraftKings, he'll be maybe 10 or 11%. Yeah. I mean, tell me if you think this is crazy, but I, I'm, I think I'm objective on, on Rupp, actually. I'm not like a fanboy or anti. I'm like right in the middle and I'll play him when I think he makes sense. But I think he's camp champ right now. That They hit the ball exactly the same distance. They're exactly hey. as erratic. Their irons are, well, his irons are a little bit better right now. Very short mm. sample size. We don't know long term, but I would imagine, you know, some volatile good and bad weeks. And then the putter is, I think, usually going to be not great. And then sometimes he'll pop. So I'll play him on Cam, Cam Champ courses. That's why I was a little more drawn to him last week mm. where Champ was a defending champ. And like a place like Silverado, I'll love Goddard up there for sure. It's another wide open place where you can just bomb, bomb it around and putting's a little more neutral. Um, but yeah, I, I could see the fit. I don't think I'll get there, but I mean, you're doing a good job of convincing me too. Why is it Mito here, by the way? I just thought I'd ask. Okay, so I'm a little concerned that he spent a little too much time on the Slocum Bridge with Answer and Sergio. Mm, there was a lot of play, picture taking. Did they play a practice round together? It was him, Neiman, Answer, Sergio. And I think there was a lot of networking happening, and I'm a Fuck. little nervous. Well, the po my positive spin on that would be Kevin Knott, and Phil Mickelson and John Rom played a practice round at the U.S. Open, and everyone was all a buzz about Rom. And then he went out the next day and was very vocally against Lev. But 
Mito would be a really, so would Neiman. I mean, especially Neiman. Mito and Neiman would be a really good get for Liv. I said this before on previous podcasts pertaining to Cam Smith and Hideki, but I think these guys want to play in the President's Cup. I think they care about the President's Cup. So my guess is, you know, we're safe for the next couple of weeks, but I don't know. What's that President's Cup the first week in October or something like that? That, you know, we talk about like Black Monday in the NFL with coaches. I think that like <laughs> Monday after the President's Cup is might be doomsday. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely nervous about Mito. I'm not going to lie. I think the temperature of the speculation room is heating up. Yeah. I'm encouraged by how nervous he was to win a major because yeah. that tells me that he cares. And if he didn't care about competition, he would probably be going to live no doubt. Right. Um, however, counterpoint, he posts a lot of Instagram stories driving very nice cars mm. that are being rented to him that he doesn't own. So I think there's a little bit of aspiration where he's spending a lot of time not golfing, especially these last couple of weeks on a yeah. couple of really good fits, especially 3M, where he was fantastic as a rookie yeah. uh, or pre-rookie, actually. So it is a concern not to see him here. And next week is the window where he was absolutely awful last year. So I don't like what's what's to come. I, I'm a little nervous. Yeah, Poulter's got a giant car collection too, so we have to be <laughs> we have to be careful about that one. Um, I'll give you another guy. First thing I did this morning was bet Adam Svensson at a hundred to one because I've been on this guy a lot, and I knew that I was going to get a massive discount on this week. And he had two bad rounds at a really weird golf course with a lot of water. I know we've been belaboring the point, but for all the reasons why I loved him last week. They still apply. Both his Corn Ferry Tour wins came on Bankgrass. Six at the Barbasol, 24th at the John Deere, 25th at the Travelers, 21st at the Canadian Open. Like last week, it just kind of felt like a heat check to me. And shame on me for, for betting him, I guess, um, because he's probably due for a little regression. But like, that's fine. I just, I think you have such a good opportunity with these flop lag guys. Like if you were all in on Svensson last week, you know, 25, 26% on DraftKings. And I imagine if you played him, you were super overweight. Like I, I don't know how you pass here, but that I, I don't totally understand that psychology, but I, I love him this week. I really do. I think you're getting a really, really good discount on a really good player that had two bad rounds and kind of just had a heat check. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons why if you liked him last week, you can like him again this week. And like again, I think that's why it's been hard to refine a player pool because now all the guys that we used to like have much better odds and in some case, double the odds and, and far further down the DFS board and they won't have the added ownership. So I think, yeah, it's the type of week that you should love because it's a lot of leverage. Um, a lot of zagging to the ad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was crazy that Svensson just like became a good putter suddenly because like it wasn't sudden, but like I just had him down as a bad putter. Bankgrass, and- baby. It was. <laughs> I think it was kind of the switch to Bankgrass. I think he, he's a Bankgrass guy. Gotta be. A lot yeah. of those Canada courses are Bankgrass. Yeah, there's certain guys I just write him off, and he went on this run of like seven or eight straight tournaments where he gained, and I missed it, and I had right. no idea. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah, he's interesting. Um, anyone else for you? I can throw out one or two more guys. 
Um, I mean, I have uh, Wes Bryan at a thousand to one. <laughs> the Rocket Mortgage Mortgage Play. I mean, Wedge Play. Yep, that's a have, thing. Have you heard of it? <laughs> yeah, ever heard of it? Are you um, familiar? Yeah, um, that's a thing. I mean, he was uh, probably the worst he's ever been last week. He shot uh, 81-78 in his two rounds at the 3M Open. Uh, but not as many wedges over there. So hmm. you keep the long irons out of the bag and you hit a lot of putts. That works for me. A thousand to one. Wow. That What's his DraftKings price? Like 63-ish or something like that, I would imagine. Let's see. He is 61. Wow. Um, that's quite low. 17th in strokes gain approach over the last 50 rounds. Right. What is that going back to, 2017? <laughs> yeah he's made uh he's made one cut in the last three months three months but it's fine um let me i'll throw out i'll throw out i got two quick guys i'll give you quickly number one i bet callum Taron at 130 to one 4.6 off the tee 5.1 on approach last like one of the longest players in the field six at the john deere kind of surprised i haven't heard him his he seems like the token buzzy guy right? Like he hits the ball a long way. He's very similar to Cam Davis and he just had an insane ball striking week at the, um, at the 3M and was really good at the John Deere too. And he's 130 to one. I feel like that. I mean, he was like top five at the U S open heading into the weekend. He might be good. So I thought 130 to one on Calum Tarrant. That was an easy one. I also bet Adam Schenk at 200 to one, 6.4 on approach last week makes the cut at this tournament every year. Um, he's starting to spike kind of like intermittently on approach, which is what I was seeing with JJ Spawn right before he won the Valero and where like the results aren't there yet. But I think it's something to monitor. Just keep your keep your eye on Adam Shank. A lot of people in the league are talking about it. And then Peter <laughs> yeah. Malna Peter Malnati. Peter Malnati, did you look at what Peter Malnati's been up to? This fucking guy. I need uh I need our our boy Luke. Sweated out to um to to anointed a, a Malnati week because he is the Malnati whisperer. Oh, I'll text him right after this because I love him too. Eight strokes ball striking last week at the 3M, best off the tee week of his career. And I saw it and I was like, oh, that's a fluke. Peter Malnati sucks, but I was kind of astonished at like how many cuts this guy makes despite literally never gaining off the tee. And if there's one golf course where Peter Malnati has the best chance of winning. I think we're we've we're already all in that this is the Bankgrass Sanderson Farms, which is like the only place that you are allowed to play Peter Malnati. <laughs> <laughs> Malnati and putting contests—that's a thing. Um, I do want to say Callum Taran might be on double pneumonia watch because oh, he has what? he well because he has. You remember uh, Patrick Reed this time last year? He did this ridiculous eight week stretch where he went from like Olympics to Minnesota, to the open, to the Scottish, to everywhere in between. Callum Taran has played eight straight weeks, which includes uh, <laughs> a trip from, well, he went to Canada, right? The U S open travelers, John Deere. He goes from the John Deere to the Scottish and then he doesn't qualify for the open. So he goes from the Scottish to the Barracuda. In oh California. my God. <laughs> And then he goes to the 3M and now he's in the Rocket Mortgage. He does have a few cuts. Uh, okay, the missed like, cuts help a little he's bit. He's got a couple of missed cuts in there, so he has a couple days to R&R. &R, but um, 
numbers aside on paper, he's he's trending. So that's a that's a good thought. Um, I don't think I have. I mean, Glidgich looks good. I like Smotherman a lot too. But I think that's uh, that's all I got. Give us a recap. Who do you have? Who do you who have you bet already? Uh, my card is not locked yet, but the guys I've locked in are Hubbard, Henley, and Pendrith. Mm. And I'm basically trying to wait it out and see if I can get better numbers on Cam Young or Homa. Mm. Um, and that'll basically determine if I do like two guys in the 40s or one guy in the 20s, and then probably, um, yeah, two or three guys at like 80 to 1. Sounds good to me. I am completely full. Um, I started at 50 and I went Sahith 50, Mav 55, Scott Stalling 60, Henley 65, Pendrith 80, Vegas 100, hashtag team Rupp 100, Svensson 100, Calum Terran 130, and Shank 200. So I'm going to have a bunch of jabronis and, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I don't think we're going to watch. Uh, have you done any intel on the courses at all? Do you want to talk shop a little bit for a second? Actually, let's do let's do five minutes on on live Betty. You you like you like Duplessis. Everyone seems to be betting Bryson. I guess Bryson at ten to one. Everyone's just all over Bryson, huh? Um, well, I know he's he's uh, sponsored by the Trump organization administration. Is something. he? I know they're he, friends. He's got it in the bio. Does he really? <laughs> it's, it's he he just lists out all of his sponsors in his bio, and I like have a screenshot of it. Just curious, like if, if anybody's dropping out, um, which his is ex- weird because like everybody's accept- dropping out except his sponsors. Well, um, it, it it makes sense that Trump would not be dropping out with him going to live. In fact, he's probably gearing up for more with him going to live. Um, yeah, they're doubling down. Yeah, they um, would probably double down, right? Yeah, no, my model's very high on TJ, uh, five to one. <laughs> Right. Um, I think he suits the course very well. I've loved the form that I've seen on the live tour. The strokes gained eye test are really good. Um, and he was good enough at the open. So why not? I think he's it, played well in the state of New Jersey. If before. he's number one in your model, you don't actually have to bet him. It being number one in your model is enough. That's correct. I already have a, a victory lap tweet drafted. I like did they confirm is this is this going through Saturday or did they change it to go through Sunday? Because I know going, the chain smokers are on Sunday. It's going through Sunday. So listen, I'm gonna be driving back on Sunday afternoon. I'm gonna have to ask you to live stream on your phone the chain smokers content uh concert. But yeah, isn't that funny? They and this was the thing that I kept saying is like people are like oh, you know, the PGA Tour should just wave the white flag and work with them. And it's like, no, we're past that point. That's not happening. There, Greg, no, there's, and, and is part of that the PGA Tour's fault that we're not in a place where we can work together? 100%, they deserve some blame in that. But no, Greg Norman is out for blood at this point. There's no going back. He already switched. He already switched um, it to Sunday. And before it was like, oh, this is interesting. Live final round Saturday. They're not going head to head. No, he they've got some momentum. And I think a lot of people think this is a better field than uh, Rocket Mortgage. It certainly has some bigger names. So, you know, I watch They're They switched it to Sunday. They're going to do 72 holes at some point soon would be 
my guess, they're going to go, they're going to start the second they feel like they have enough momentum, they're going to go up against a Memorial or a Bay Hill or a players. It might even be next, next year. That'd be my prediction. If they get the guys they need, they will do it. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised by that. I think their plan right now is to look great against opposite fields or right. weaker fields right. and just get conversation going where nobody cares that JT posted won the John Deere classic. Um, so let's Bingo. put live Portland right, right against it. Like that makes sense. It's an actual smart decision that the, the live guys are doing. I think how you win over the next generation of golf fans to me is very dependent on the betting market because that's interactive. That's something that's tangible that people can really what's in it for me. Um, and this will never be appealing from, from a betting standpoint to, to my perspective, the favorite is five to one. That's never going to happen on the PGA tour unless peak tiger walks in the door or a John Rom, Rom, like, obviously, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he's basically, he is our tiger, but, <laughs> um, in general, like a Taylor Gooch is 10 to one, right? Like, yeah. why would I, why would I be interested in this? People are asking me like, who are you betting live? A, it's not legal in New Jersey. And I don't know when they're ever going to legalize it if they ever will. Cause it's not really recognized as an official event. Um, so a lot of states might go the OWGR route and say, this is an exhibition. I'm not giving odds on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if they did, would I bet this? Probably not beyond like, yeah. a, like a single bullet, like one guy 20 to one maybe, but I'm not going to put as much time into it as I would with the PGA tour. And it's still going to be more important, more fun to me to sweat JT post in 80 to one at a ho-hum event than it is to watch this with basically no skin in the game in it. I'm with you hundred percent. With that being said, I'm fascinated to see the concert on Sunday. Are the players going to stay? Like if it, like, obviously we're on the brink of, you know, I don't, I don't throw out the D word lightly, but I think it's fair to start talking dynasty with the four aces. Like, I think, I think we can start having that conversation with like, you know, the 17 warriors, the 85 bears. Like, I think it's fair to start talking that with the four aces, um, but I'm fascinated to see if they all all of the golfers and the teams stay for the concert and if they're even going to broadcast the Chainsmokers concert, which is like the Chainsmokers like headline music festivals like the Chainsmokers are massive to maybe not. I might be a little aged out of them at 27, but like my brother who just graduated college, like they're they're massive. So I I'm very fascinated to see how they do that because I thought the draft was going to be fascinating and they didn't broadcast the draft and did you look at the press conference schedule this week? It's like Sam Horsfield and Jason Kokrak. It's like I guess they're kind of like protecting um their guys like our friend Kersher made a good joke. It's like pledging a frat. Like you have to do the media at the beginning and then you never have to talk to the media ever again once you do it once. Um, but I love the press conferences. Like the, I'm excited. I, I is at least they have Stenson, hopefully. Um, they will but, have Stenson. Yeah. Any, right. any new person is there to get just hosed by a, right. the golf digest <laughs> and the golf.coms of the world to just ask like actual questions and not get any answers to them. Um, but, and that's why you do one interview and then you're like, Oh, so they're just going to ask me why I took money and I'm not allowed to tell them that I just took it for the money. Right. I can't answer these questions. Right. Um, <laughs> it sucks that 
the the Chainsmokers concert's probably already sold out because I was going to suggest that we just stop by on our way home on Sunday yeah. because it's, I mean, I could maybe even hear it from my apartment. I'm only 20 minutes from Bedminster. So oh, if we, if we time our schedule, right, we, should we be might there. be able to catch a couple songs at the Chainsmokers concert. Oh my God. <laughs> um, okay. So last thing, um, how are you feeling? How's the game ahead of the trip? We have some, you know, the models don't account for this, obviously, but we have, you know, we have some potential fatigue concerns. Like you were absolutely destroying the ball in our last round, but then, you know, it was a Jason Day at what was it, Chambers Bay situation? <laughs> like it looked like you had like some mix of vertigo and a, the Charlie horse. And you, John hit a tee shot on the 17th hole and just collapsed. He was just down. <laughs> okay. For context, I, I stand before you humbled by um, the things that I had never happened to me on a golf course before. Um, we played on the hottest day of the year. So New York. hot. It so was hot. 98 at the lowest. Yeah. Uh, and we carried from the second to last tees on a hilly course that mm. Tiger Woods would not have been able to handle. Um, I do not understand how I was the only one in that foursome affected by that weather, but my body shut down completely. <laughs> I mean, I could not have hydrated anymore either. There were ample bo- ample bottles of water on every other hole and i took two on every other hole and i was some combination of dehydrated and heat exhaustion and it i got to the last few holes and there was no rotation in the hips there was no muscle in the calves <laughs> we, we, we were plodding along um but i feel like i started out okay i was also on a course that really accentuated short game which is not the fit that I need. I need a bomb and gouge driver wedge sort of course mm-hmm. um, and receptive greens, mm-hmm. which is essentially the opposite of uh, what the playing conditions were, which by the way, beautiful course. Yeah. Still Fatwa number 12. That hole should be nuked off the planet. That green <laughs> is wrong, but phenomenal course outside of that one green. I had a nice little heel pull with the three wood onto the wrong hole to the left of the trees, <laughs> which is a shortcut that members know. Um, and I had an excellent layup to 100 out, and I thought I hit a good wedge in, and it still <laughs> it could only end up in that trap. It, it can only end up in that trap. You saw how <laughs> tilted I was. I was like, that's the best shot I've hit all day. That's not. That's got to stand out in the green. Yeah. We so love anyway, that course, we'll, like we'll that have a high a of 78. Uh, Benbrook, awesome. Keith, awesome host i hope to play it again sometime soon yeah um but yes i think as long as my body cooperates and i'm hydrating i'll have um some liquid ivs which i think sponsor tap and birdie so we should be good (laughs) on those um that i think as long as my body doesn't stop me then i'm ready i'm ready to give it another go so it's going to be cooler in lake placid obviously because we're going north we walk i like walking but um we can take a cart if you want. And we would also push cart it. Like we're, we're not going to carry. We have, they have ample push carts there and it's not crazy hilly. You know, it's interesting. I'm very curious to see which courses you guys like more because there's two courses and we'll kind of split it up and play, you play, 
both courses an equal amount. The Lynx course is like a very straightforward, pretty wide open. You can hit driver on a lot of holes a little bit longer, like really good, kind of like what you see is what you get golf course. It just comes down to whether the wind is blowing. And then the mountain, Alistair McKenzie, by the way, is just like the weirdest, quirkiest, like blind, you have a blind par three, completely blind par three. It's the only course in America with back-to-back 600-yard par fives. There are par threes that met, there are two par threes that measure over 230 that you have to sometimes hit driver on, but then there's like four drivable par fours. Like par is a social construct at the mountain, we like to say, but it's a really quirky course that I think might, like you might shoot your best round ever there or you might shoot your worst round ever there if that makes sense we might see both yeah <laughs> we've got a lot of rounds under our belt coming up so we might see i am like uh, my last four rounds i think are 95 79 80 and 90 so that sounds about right for me to to have my best and worst round in lake Placid this weekend what do you got to plug before we get out of here? I know we're heading out on Thursday morning, but I'm sure you got some pre-tournament stuff uh, lined up for everyone. Yep. Um, thank you again for having me on IGP. Always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Um, my tournament preview on thelines.com is already out, uh, so you can check that out. I will write a values article, a couple guys in the 7 or 6K range, which we've already kind of gone through. Um, that'll go up tomorrow morning and then my final better betting card will be up on Wednesday, Wednesday morning, afternoon. Um, and then at some point in Lake Placid, I'll be writing up the Wyndham championship preview. So be on the lookout (laughs) for that. Uh, John, it was a pleasure. Good to see you, buddy. And I'll see you on Thursday, my man. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Good luck this week. All right, that is it for the podcast. Special thanks to John Hasselbauer. Special thanks to RickRunGoods.com. No Sunday podcast this week. I will be golfing, but we will be back on this podcast feed Tuesday for the wins and best of luck with your bets this week. And we'll see you next time. Cheers. If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream Where my world steel rims crack Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.